0: This program was produced at and first aired on MPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand on air. Kapai Irarangi Temotu, MPR. Listening to
1: live and on-demand shows has never been easier on NPR. All you have to do is go to the App Store or Play Store on your device and search up Access Internet Radio NZ. Select and download the first option at the top of the list. Once you've downloaded the app, the next step is to open the app and look for NPR. Once found, select it and then browse freely. Supported by New Zealand On Air.
0: Hi, I'm Greg Watson and welcome to the show, Property Matters, where we talk all things property, whether it's renting, selling, buying, if you're a landlord, if you're a commercial property owner, hopefully there's something in here for you in our half hour show. Lovely to see you today or to talk to you today. And Billy Tosse is unavailable today, so you've just got myself, Greg Watson, and here on Property Matters. And we'll just get into a little bit of market news and sales news initially so in terms of the market the residential sales market very busy at the moment in terms of buying a lot of people wanting to buy a general shortage of properties to buy though so that's causing house prices to continue to rise and a lot of competition on properties that are for sale in the renting market it's also difficult and this is that there is not probably quite enough properties that you might like if you're wanting to have a look if you're a tenant at the moment. And that's unfortunate. It's just an ongoing trend of a lot of people moving into this area and needing accommodation. So here's some local news from the two Standard. It says at the well-known Palmer's North restaurant to get a new look and new name. So the Bethany's restaurant on the square in the... City Council building is going to be renamed. The owner Ray Wang said, "When the restaurant first, when the restaurant reopened, it will have a new look and a new name." He's saying it was just time for a change. It was getting too old looking. I decided to redo everything. Now this is a lovely spot here where you can sit upstairs, look out over our square in Palmist North. I personally love taking people there that are not familiar with Palmist North because it's just a nice, nice place with good views the restaurant itself was put into voluntary liquidation in 2017 and so uh, Mr Wang has felt that it's time now to rechristen the restaurant with a name of his own and while he's got some ideas he hasn't settled quite yet on the final choice but you will notice that the remodel is well underway although he's still got a bit of time to figure out the name and the moniker to suit the new look. So the renovations have been ongoing while the restaurant has been open, but now he's having to close down while the kitchen is being remodelled. Another nice aspect of uh, the restaurant is that you can undo the downstairs doors, open them right up, and it's lovely there on a sunny day. Speaking of places that are nice on a sunny day, another headline from the Manor Two Standard, Palmer's North favourite Joseph Street Kitchen is on the market. So Mike Hills has been building the business there in Joseph Street. It's a really neat cafe, if you haven't had the opportunity to be there. He's been building it for nine years, and now he's deciding to possibly have a life of quiet contemplation and retirement. So it's quite a quirky place, uh, and it's got grapevines, it's got chairs hanging from the ceiling, last time I checked, it it's got all, all sorts. And so... Mike has reached the, the age of 66, he's thinking to become a little bit more relaxed in his approach and he's the first to admit that it was an oddball cafe, or an oddball place to have a cafe I should say, so it wasn't well known at first. So it's in a semi-industrial part of the city in Joseph Street and the earliest customers thought it really was the best kept secret in Palmerston North. Mike's a lovely man, uh, very friendly, very jovial for those of you who know him, so obviously we wish him well on the future, and that business is for sale. Another news from the New Zealand Herald, that uh, New Zealand's record-breaking suburb has been revealed for sales. The suburb that's had the most record-breaking sales in New Zealand isn't the country's most expensive so One Roof and its data partner Velocity looked at the biggest property sales in each of the main cities over the past decade and found that Mount Maunganui in Tauranga, not Hearn Bay in Auckland, had the biggest share. In fact, just two streets in the popular beachside suburb laid claim to Tauranga's highest sales in the past eight years. That's Marine Parade and Ocean Beach Road. Both had four record-breaking sales each. By contrast, Cremorne Street and Hearn Bay had just four of Auckland's highest prices in the past decade. As you know, Auckland has the biggest share of big sales nationwide, of course, due to prices, and it recorded the biggest single property sale in all but one of the last 10 years. There's a big difference in the sales prices, too. Tauranga's highest sales were all under 10 million. Auckland's highest sales, by contrast, ranged between 9 million and 39 million. Of the major metro centres, only Auckland and Christchurch broke the $10 million mark. So there is people out there with money, if you've got it. And the highest sale in Tauranga in the last 10 years was the $6.1 million for a four-level mansion on Marine Parade in 2011. And that was bought by multi-millionaire Gareth Morgan. The highest sales price in Auckland and in New Zealand was $39 million for March mark Hodgkin's seven-bed mansion on Paratai Drive in O'Raki in 2013. So there's still some big sales in other centres as well. Christchurch had one over $6 million. Here in the two, you can get things a bit cheaper, but there is still a number of properties that are uh, well over a million now in in our local market. And that sort of leads a little bit into the next... Part that I wanted to talk about, which was an article from Stuff Business that says more Kiwis are battling lifelong mortgages. So, first home buyers, it says, have had to mortgage to the hilt to get into a first home. It's important to realise that some of this is Auckland based. It says at his current rate of repayments, Paul Cronin will be 76 before he clears the mortgage on his Morrensville property. He pays about $325 a week and also has a student loan debt of $20,000. The prospect of going into retirement with debt is a worrying one, but he doesn't see that there are many options. He says, can I do anything about it, not with the social conscience and ethics I live by. He could sell the house and move to retirement village, but then there would no longer be space for his children and grandchildren to stay with him when they needed to. So it's interesting to know that It can take quite a considerable amount of time to be able to pay off these mortgages and data from the Commission of Financial Capability shows that 33% of those aged 55 to 64 had a mortgage and 13% of people aged 65 and older. Also, one of the growth markets in renting is uh, the 14% of people over 64 who live in rented accommodation. It's actually reasonably common that... uh, People will sell up at retirement age, sell a property and effectively fund their lifestyle from the income of that property. Credit Simple data has shown that Aucklanders age 55 and over with a mortgage owe an average of nearly $400,000. So it's incredible to hear about that when you do live in the cheaper centres like Manawatu, where it would be hard to imagine still having a mortgage unless Uh, you do so through decisions that you make or poor financial choices then then it's hard to imagine still having something mortgage of that size so financial advisors generally offer a few tips on how to reduce this they say funnel all extra income into paying down your debt and the exception to this is your KiwiSaver account so um, any extra money you can also put into KiwiSaver so that's fine They suggest that you negotiate with the bank to get the best interest rate you can or shift to a rival bank if it will offer a better deal. These days, changing banks is nowhere near the rigmarole that it used to be. Also, financial advisors say that consider downsizing. If you're still earning, you can then use the money you were spending on a bigger mortgage to invest or save in other assets. And then, of course, you could ask for help from family or friends, or you could sell your kids a share of the house. Something else that can be quite popular is a reverse mortgage, which means you swap a loan you're paying repayments on to one without repayments. The drawback with this, though, is that you're not paying off what you owe. It can increase quickly and erode the equity you have in your property. Other suggestions financial advisors offer to help remove, uh, reduce your mortgage is to get a border or to sell your home and rent. If the sale would give you sufficient income to do so comfortably and you could cope with the possibility of having to move again in future. Another article that's come out in the last week is from Stuff Business and says, here's where the property prices might be in the next year. So it's a bit of a prediction here. And they say that low interest rates are predicted to give the housing market a boost in many areas, as investors who cannot get a return for money in the bank look for other places to put in their money. And rising rents also add to the appeal. Some areas are predicted to keep increasing at rates of more than 10%, but others are tipped to experience, experiencing house prices being flat for some time to come. Experts say if you want to buy for capital gains, there are a few places to look. Gisborne and Manawatū, Wanganui. It will be no surprise to those of you who are local here in Manawatū, Wanganui, that house prices have been rising significantly sometimes up to 18% year-on-year year in Palmerston North, closer to 10 at the moment, and sometimes around 25% in the Manawatu-Wanganui region. Bindi Norwell, the Real Estate Institute Chief Executive, says that over the last few months we've seen significant median price growth in the middle of the North Island and the bottom of the South Island. When predicting which areas across the country are likely to have strong price lifts, we can look at areas that have a significant housing shortage, Regions that still have an injection of funds to be spent from the Provincial Growth Fund, a lack of listings, and price growth relative to other areas as strong indicators. Now, Manawatu, Wanganui has all of those. A bit of a housing shortage. We're getting a huge amount of funds from the Provincial Growth Fund. Those are funding some significant projects. A lack of listings, which there definitely is, and price growth being strong relative to other areas. So the predictions there from Bindi Norwell, Gisborne, and Tu Wanganui. Cameron Bagri, the economist at Bagri Economics, is Wanganui. And again, he thinks uh, that you can get 7% plus yields and that, that the prices will still grow. And they go through and talk to a few others as well. But generally, I think areas that are um, meeting those criteria that Bindi Norwell talks about are worth having a look at. In other news, in the crime section, was this headline, Auckland money laundering bust, six arrested, Porsche and millions of dollars seized. This is nice to see. The police have seized properties worth at least $7.3 million in four luxury European cars after raids across Auckland in late August. So it's nice to know that they are uh, following the proceeds of crime and getting these properties back. So it's not really property news per se, but the fact that um, the financial crime group found that this was money laundering that was happening and laundering through properties. And a 65-year-old woman's facing six money laundering charges, a charge of what they call structuring under the Anti-Money Laundering and Countering Financing of Terrorism Act. And this is something that relates to real estate now. When you're selling a house, you actually have to um, do extra work there as a salesperson to make sure that m- that money laundering is spotted. Finally, just before we have a break, uh, Ellen DeGeneres has sold her Beverly Hills mansion for $24.5 million from the lifestyle section of stuff. It says, Hollywood royalty and apparent house flippers Ellen DeGeneres and Portia de Rossi have unloaded a Beverly's home for $15.5 million US dollars which is more than half a million US, and they paid for it less than a year ago. It's a pretty good way of making some money. The comedian and talk show host and her wife have done some minor cosmetic work on a five-bedroom mansion. A listing agent uh, Kurt Rapport of Westside Estate Agents told a property website mansion global. So it's interesting to to know that uh, you could still, even on the expensive homes, you can make quite... A, uh, quite an income there half a million US dollars in a short period of time so we're going to go to some music now it's one of my quirky but uh, favourite bands this is 21 Pilots with Stressed Out mm-hmm.
1: wake up you need the money used to play pretend used to play pretend money we used to play pretend wake up you need the money used to play pretend give the job a different names we would build a rocket ship and then we fly far away used to dream about a space but now they're laughing at the face saying wake up you need to make money
0: yeah. and you're back with property matters this is greg watson that was 21 pilots stressed out We were talking before the break, uh, generally in the sales arena, we're now crossing over to renting and property management. So there was an article in Stuff Business that talked about or asked the question how to know that you can't afford to stop renting. In other words, how can you get into home ownership? And here here are the clues that you can't afford to stop renting. The first is if you don't have a separate down payment fund. So if you haven't got a fund to save a deposit for a property – and you've only got an emergency fund, that emergency fund shouldn't be used for a deposit on a house because that's a sign that you're not quite as secure as you could be. Secondly, they say that if your monthly housing costs exceed 30% of your gross income, then that's something which is a clue that it's going to be difficult for you um, to then be able to afford a mortgage and that you should consider private mortgage insurance. If you can't afford to buy furniture that's also uh, something to consider because if you buy a new property and you can't afford furniture then uh, that is of course a, uh, a sign that uh, things are going to be hard. If you have a low credit rating that's also a sign that it's going to be difficult to be able to get into a buying situation. If your debt to income ratio is above 43% so if you need to take out a mortgage, lenders will calculate your debt-to-income ratio to determine whether you're suited to take on another monthly payment. And that's something that you can just work on a bit to get into a better position. If you relocate for work, or if you're looking at relocating for work in the near future, then maybe renting is possibly more appealing than, than buying. So that's just a, a few few comments there. Now, another article from Pacific Scoop. .co.nz, the Pacific aspect of, of Scoop, is that the talks about the build-to-rent sector that can no longer be overlooked. So prominent leaders from New Zealand's property development, investment and construction sectors have met late last month in Auckland to discuss the opportunities associated with build-to-rent market. And they're now calling on the government and councils to prioritise enabling its rapid growth to help alleviate the housing shortage in the country's biggest cities. So what is Build to Rent? Build to Rent is a standalone housing sector that features rental homes under the collective ownership of an investment entity. So unlike the traditional rental market in New Zealand, which is beholden to the individual property management choices of what they call mum and dad investors, the build-to-rent market, which has witnessed phenomenal recent growth overseas, typically provides for long-term tenancies, high-quality build, and consistency of service. So you can see the appeal there. And in fact, as of January this year, there were close to 140,000 build-to-rent properties either completed or in the process of being completed in the UK. And in 2013, they didn't even exist. So it shows it's a pretty good way to go there and something to consider, is building to rent. So that's as an investment option for people to go in on and to make a return. Speaking of rents and the business section of stuff, record-breaking rents expected around the country for summer. And they quote the Aaron Clancy, the sales director of Trade Me Property. Um, inquiries are up in, in Auckland, he says. Wellingtonians can expect to pay an additional $50 a week in rent compared to last year as demand for rentals rises there too. Also we know that uh, Manotu-Wanganui is strong. He talks about the regions with with double-digit growth being Gisborne, Manotu-Wanganui, Otago and the West Coast. So um, there's a lot happening there with rental amounts. Wider Māori Wanganui, it's about nine percent. So if you haven't put your rents up lately, and you're a landlord, you should consider doing so. Also, as you know now in place, or as you may may know, the Residential Tenancies Amendment Act 2019 has come in, which has brought in a raft of changes for tenants and landlords. Just by way of reminder, the liability of who pays for accidental damage has now been changed back to a situation similar to what it used to be which is that if a tenant causes careless damage, accidental damage that the tenant is liable for an amount equal to four weeks rent or the landlord's insurance excess whichever is lower in any incident of damage and that's great, it's just closing up a loophole that was exploited for about the last 18 months due to a court of appeal ruling around damage As a quid quo pro, landlords and property managers now have to give their new tenants and any other tenants who ask their insurance details so the tenants can understand what they would need to pay in the event of damage. And and if landlords don't do this, they can be fined up to $500. So a little bit more paperwork there. They've also brought in more rules for tenancies in what they call unlawful properties such as garages and sleepouts to get away from some of these horrible situations that you hear about of people living in well and truly substandard accommodation. Further, they've closed a little loophole around methamphetamine contamination so that landlords can inspect and take a test at a property uh, by giving notice, whereas before it fell actually outside the law because it was neither an inspection nor maintenance. That's been fixed up as well. Speaking of maintenance, here's an article from the New Zealand Herald that why a Henderson mother won $13,000 from her landlords, 22 separate issues at a rental property, and this is just shocking. It says in the article that a house with leaking and damaged gutters, rotting window frames, illegal stairs, a sagging and mouldy ceiling, rotting weatherboards, a rotten toilet floor, and exposed electrical board have earned a stiff penalty for landlords who rented it out. The couple who own the dilapidated Henderson rental property were ordered to pay the tenant just over $13,000 after failing to take action on the extremely run-down house where she lives with a 22-month-old baby. So they've fa- failed to maintain the property to a reasonable standard of repair. The child of the tenant suffered respiratory infections since he was a baby and she told of many visits to the doctor and hospital. the landlord gave no comment that's uh, Ross and Sally Craigie but, but the issues that were cited were, were widespread so let's look, let's look at this just in case any of these things relate to a property that you own you'll need to get these sorted leaking and damaged gutters rotting window frames sagging and moulding ceiling from the front entrance rotting weatherboards, no rain shot in the kitchen rotten toilet floor and wall exposed electrical board large drafty gaps in the floorboards windows that do not properly close, there are gaps, block drains causing flooding and pooling due to leaks, the back stairs replaced by illegally installing and not anchoring them to the ground, leaks around the light fittings, can you believe that, insulation not up to standard and unsafe rust repairs to the oven. The Tribunal said that Ross Craigie had only done one inspection in the property in seven years and appears to have a hands-off approach. Ventilation was needed in the bathroom and kitchen, the tribunal said, and noting how Habitat for Humanity had completed a healthy homes report which noted several items in need of repair. Thompson had told the landlord about issues with the damp and cold, chimney window frames and windows ventilation, lack of heating and rotten weatherboards. She sought $40,000, about a third of what she'd paid in rent over the term of her tenancy, and she was frustrated about the landlord's inability to act. The Craigies accepted they'd been remiss in their responsibilities to maintain the house. They did not accept the extent of Thompson's claims, but said items like weatherboards, windows and guttering should have been maintained. The tenant's ex-partner had put a wooden deck over slippery and uneven concrete where Thompson fell when she was pregnant. Thompson had also installed a front door between the outside and enclosed porch, which was leaking. She She laid her own carpet and bought heaters for the bathroom and living areas because there was no other source of heating. She put silicon gaps on gaps in the windows and closed off the fireplace. She'd gone beyond what should be expected of a tenant to keep her home habitable, warm and healthy, the tribunal said. Finally, they said there is a strong public interest in having warm, healthy homes, especially if children are living in these homes. Now, this is something that is the absolute reason why the healthy homes act is in place to stop these sort of practices and people who think they can just make money with nothing in return. It's pretty disgusting that, uh, and that's a large ruling, that's $13,000. That's all we've got time for this week and this is Greg Watson from Property Matters look forward to catching up with you next week have a wonderful week and if all things property. Support this programme and others like it by giving a donation to NPR. More details at npr.nz.